wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die. New Year, same pod, baby. We are back. Uh, Welcome to the first Toronto Till I Die podcast of 2023. It is the Toronto FC fan podcast uh, with Michael Singh. I'm Mike Newell. Uh, Jeffrey Pinesker is not with us this week. Hopefully to have him. Hope to have him back next week. Um, But on today's show, we're going to chat a little recap on the TFC offseason so far. Uh, It is the return of the Michael Singh notebook. I know you all have been waiting for it because you have been tweeting at me incessantly about it. Um, And then also uh, we're going to just take a look at the TFC cap and how should they management. And a question I posted over the weekend has got me sort of intrigued on what the TFC live community think about how to use the third Toronto FC DP slot. Um, But a lot to talk to uh, talk about, I should say in uh, today's show, Um, just bringing in Michael Singh as always, man, how were your holidays? Welcome back. Happy new year. What did you get up to? uh what was santa good to you (laughs) (laughs) happy to be back man it feels like it's been forever and my holidays man not really much of a holiday we're working a lot to be honest with you and with the world cup we see you on the streets putting it putting in the hours unfortunately (laughs) it's not not too much towards Toronto FC is as i would like but that's what the, the job calls for right as covering a lot of the world cup which was fun everybody was tuned into that and after the World Cup, it's I've been diving into a lot of like Premier League and La Liga and obviously Serie A. So, you know, just diversifying myself and making myself more of a a soccer expert overall. But man, I miss uh I miss covering TFC, of course. Um happy new year, everybody. Great, I see you in the chat. Mike, what's your uh what's your New Year's resolution? My New Year's resolution. Um, I tend not to make resolutions. Only one, because I'm just afraid of disappointing myself. But also, (laughs) um, I tend to have like overall like goals. So I guess, yes, you want to call them resolutions. So be it. One is obviously- You set them every New Year? um, I set them throughout the year. So it's not just the New Year, right? But obviously- So it's not a a New Year's resolution. Not necessarily, but like, you know, uh, yeah. At the end of the year, of course, you get reflective and you start thinking about things you would like to do in the new year. One of the things I want to do, obviously, is grow this podcast. Uh, continue to, to, to continue to push this forward. Um, you know, we love all of you that listen in and have been, like I said, hitting me up in the DMs in the on Twitter and stuff like that. Saying, when's the show coming back? When's the show coming back? Well, we're back. Um, and definitely hoping to produce some new stuff uh, for you as the season comes along. I think the other goal for me also is some of you know, um, you know, I'm now uh, professionally working for the Toronto Blue Jays. So that's going to be interesting for the summer. But um, obviously, you know, getting really good at that and, you know, being uh, being a, getting myself into the, into the baseball world as well, which is another sport I really love. Are you a baseball so, fan? I am. I grew up a Jays fan. Like, uh, it's okay. funny um, during it, not to turn this into a baseball podcast or a professional working podcast really quickly. But um, uh, there's a picture of me in the 1992 World Series championships, like sweatshirt. I was like nine. Um, and I just shared it at at work um then everybody was like freaking out about it because they're like oh god <laughs> it's a mini you but you haven't aged much um so hey. yeah so definitely definitely uh a blue jay fan i need to see that pic so you you look the same as I you do a, now a shorter then. minier version and um, a little facial hair now you no, probably no, had no, a facial hair yeah, back no, then yeah, no goatee <laughs> back then but somebody forgot to give me chapstick because i've got like the driest lips in that picture, oh, picture and no. it's just rude that school was rude um but anyway uh you don't want to hear about my uh grade nine picks you want to hear oh about we do <laughs> we do <laughs> you do um <laughs> but uh you know you want to talk tfc and, and definitely let's dive into that they're back uh, they all got into it, got into Toronto, did their physicals, are now in California. I think the first training session went off today, if it's not like happening as we speak. Um, but a lot to sort of a lot in it, a lot to dissect, but not necessarily because there's been a ton of moves. Probably more in least of this offseason to talk about what they haven't done yet and the things that they that we know they need to work on. They're not state secrets or anything like that, right? But 
quickly to uh, before we even get into that, uh, let me just do a little bit of housekeeping uh, before I forget. Um, this is probably the last time you're going to hear it from me for those who have been longtime listeners of the show. Um, but we do have new YouTube and uh, podcast feeds. So wherever you get your podcast, just search Toronto till I die um, and subscribe to the new feed there. Uh, and of course, if you're on YouTube and found us great, uh, click subscribe hit the notifications for when shows are going to go live uh, and follow us that way. Um, but let's just jump into the off season, Michael. I think that, you know, Matt Hedges is in, Victor Vasquez is in, um, you know, we brought in a backup goalkeeper essentially. Um, but for a lot of TFC fans, they're kind of waiting for the big shoes to drop. And obviously Oso is now um, has resigned with Toronto FC. How are you feeling Maybe put the journalist side hat aside for a second. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe put the fan uh, side of you in there. How are you feeling about this offseason? Are you are you optimistic? Is it more like a hey, where is all the moves coming from? Where are you at as we are now on uh, January 9th? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's a good question. Uh, just before I, I do answer that, Axis brings up a very good and very important uh, comment here in our chat and. I think it's good that we start the show this way. Uh, well played, Ox. It's, I'm really happy you brought this up. Uh, for those listening on the podcast, Axis is saying, sending love and good vibes to our boy, Subasa Endo. Absolutely. Loyal to the city and the club. Love to him in his battle with leukemia. Yeah, that was, uh, that's well said. Um, we don't have to go too far into that. Just that, you know, that we're obviously showing our support. I know there's a lot of people who are, out there fighting that fight and you guys are are superheroes and Subasa Hindo uh, of course was very very good to Toronto FC and uh, we wish him we wish him all the best now in terms of how I'm feeling about this club right now in terms of where they are it's the first half of it the first half of this offseason maybe a little bit more than half uh really concerning because there's a lot of departures in the club. And then you hear about what's happening with Mimo Crescito and his decision to retire and then not retire. And the off season was supposed to be a big project, but then the project gets even, even bigger. Right. And you think about the amount of holes that the team would have to fix. And you're like, wow, man, that that's really going to take a lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of bodies to, to accomplish what they really, really want to get done here. Um, but this last little stretch here has kind of picked me up a little bit as, as a fan of the team. Um, you think about acquiring a guy like Matt Hedges, who may be the second or third best center back on the free agent market. That's a really big coup for the club uh, for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, his ability and then also what he brings to that locker room. Uh, and he's... He's a guy who's won a lot of things too in his career. So that's a really big addition as well. Victor Vasquez, uh, one we, we talked about before on, on our podcast, but I, I, every day, like I, I love that addition more and more and more. The biggest thing that this team was missing last year was, was quality depth. And Victor Vasquez screams quality depth to me. A guy who's versatile can play center midfield, can play on the wing if he needs to. And just putting him on the pitch with other good players gets the best out of the team. And then you hear the rumblings of Sean Johnson potentially signing with TFC here. And you're thinking three guys they brought in who are massive upgrades over where this team was um, last season. Because you think about the bodies that actually left, aside from Amimo Crescito, Maybe you can throw Chris Mavinga into this mix, although I'd, I'd argue Matt Hedges is probably an upgrade at that position. The team overall has probably gotten slightly better if Sean Johnson does become official. Because the way I also look at it is, and we've, we've said this point a couple of times on this podcast, but TFC starting 11, their strongest 11, we never saw them on the pitch together last season, right? And I look at a guy like a Jonathan Osorio and a Mark Anthony Kay as almost new additions to this squad because they 
didn't really see the pitch together, right? Mark Anthony K, Jonathan Osorio, Michael Bradley, that midfield trio played what 45 minutes together, I think total throughout the course of the season. And that 45 minutes was an unbelievable 45 minutes against yeah. Charlotte, right? So that part is, is a little bit exciting, but at the same time, I understand why there's a lot of concern because you look at the overall depth chart of this team and you got to wonder like more moves or you got to think more, a lot more moves are have to come because they have to shore up quite a few positions. Yeah. And, and I think that is where your concern is kind of validated, right? Like, yes, of course, obviously bringing in your starting center back, getting a depth piece in Victor Vasquez, you know, obviously shoring up your midfield by, you know, essentially assuring some con continuity through having Jonathan Osorio back. But there are so many holes that we have discussed on the show. Fans have discussed, right? Like the idea that they probably need one more center back. You probably, you need a left back for sure. You know, you, you're probably going to want to add depth to your forward core. Um, you, you know, obviously there are moves to come clearly. And there's rumors out there right now. And we'll get to that when we get to your notebook. But, you know, I think that, if you're a TFC fan and you're kind of scratching your head thinking, you know, you're looking around the league and you're seeing teams that are addressing needs a lot earlier than than TFC have been, maybe you're sort of thinking like, you know, is are we kind of asleep at the wheel here? Um, I don't think that's the case, but obviously, you know, you start looking at the board of the free agent board and it starts to dwindle a little bit. Um, and, and you look at the holes that we have to fill and they're not quite you know, obviously addressed yet. And of course, as training camp starts, you would ideally like to have everyone there, right? Um, and sort of gelling from day one. But clearly there is going to be some additions throughout training camp uh, leading into February 25th uh, that uh, that Bob Bradley is going to make. I just wonder, I just wonder from a, is he going to be able to have enough time to address them all before, um, before the opening day. So I think the the four things that he said, the four positions that he said he will address, uh, we're talking about a goalkeeper, we're talking about a center back, talking about a left back, and then some depth at striker. Right? He says that those conversations are pretty far along. Um, now, for me, that's great. You can bring in those positions. That's absolutely fantastic to the team and for the team, but I almost think that this team needs needs a lot more than just those guys. Up top, like that one's an interesting one for me. The striker position with this team. I know that they the team ideally in a perfect world, they're moving on from Jesus Jimenez and Iowa Canola, in my opinion, and bringing in some fresh blood up top. Both? But I don't think I think both. They, mm. if I think that's what they would want to do, but obviously, in order to do that, you have to get the right return for both of those players. I don't think that was uh, that was coming. They were essentially selling low if they were to sell both of those players, and they're probably bringing in you know a different number nine, a couple of number nines who offer a different type of profile than than maybe those two players. It's no secret Bob Bradley was not happy with either one of those guys last season. Um, so the hope now at this point, if you can't move off from them again, let's see what happens the rest of this month, but let's say you can't move off from them. Uh, the hope is that the off season sort of rejuvenates them and they come into preseason looking a lot better than they did last season. Iowa Canola, we've talked about it, underwent a very serious, a very serious knee surgery and, Hopefully this is the year you start to see him look more like the Iowa Canola uh, of old. Jesus Jimenez, hopefully we see the first half of Jesus Jimenez yeah. as opposed to the second half. But bringing in a guy who offers a different type of profile, a guy who can run, get, run in behind and, and press when need be is mobile. I think that's what this team wants to bring in in terms of, of striker depth. So I th again, I think there's more holes that has to be filled than what they're going to do uh, before the start of the season, but they still feel confident that they can get that done, Mike. And that's uh, maybe that's surprising to some people, but you know, there's this team's putting in work. Yeah. I mean, look, it's surprising to me, right? Like I, yes, I, I know, obviously you still have over a month before opening day, 
but it feels, you know, it's kind of like leaving your homework to the last minute, right? Leaving the essay to cram time, um, which is just a little, I'm going Jeffrey P. Nesker analogies. I'm channeling his energy today. But like, it, you know, it, it does feel like you're leaving it a little bit late and you're leaving. And look, it's, it's MLS, right? So a lot of, you know, the, the quote unquote, the start of the season, not to say that they're going to take it lightly, but you 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 sort of work your way into fitness you work your way into form um really with the idea of peaking at the right time to then make your push into a playoff spot and, and better seeding within the playoffs but don't underestimate how important it is to get off to a good start um in, in this especially league. this year Mike, yes, exactly you have league's cup in the middle of the year so the schedule at the beginning of the year is more congested than years past Right. And, and that's where I worry that if they, you know, don't, you know, you obviously like they, like Bob Riley said on, on Friday, far along in discussions with targets, that doesn't mean they're signing, right? We saw yesterday, Sean Johnson courtside at the Raptors game, the close rate on a TFC prospect uh, getting courtside <laughs> seats is pretty strong, right? The close rate's good, uh, but that's not a guarantee, right? So you want to make sure that if you, you know, if one of these targets falls through that you can get somebody in, you don't want to wait until the summer window when, like you said, you know, you've gone through the season, you've gone through leagues cup, you, you know, you have gold cup coming up, uh, you have international, you got uh, nations league coming up and the league is not breaking for either of those international competitions. Right. So, you know, you, you're going to be shorthanded quite a bit, especially with the national team players that are going to leave as well. So you want to make sure that you also build that depth um, within your team. And that's maybe where you start thinking about, oh, well, have the young guys improved enough uh, to really start taking some of those depth positions uh, in the team? Or do you need to go out and, and grab a few more veterans uh, to help in that regard? Yeah, I, I would. what I'd say is traditionally, actually, it's not very uncommon for teams to be in this position at the start of preseason and TFC in years past, we've seen them make signings throughout the month of January to add to its, its initial core. And I think we're going to see something similar here. The, the problem with that is just, it feels like there's a lot to be done, a lot more to be done than, than perhaps That's what in, That's in, what in a, a lot normal of year. Right. Yeah. So hopefully this next month and a half here, uh, before the start of the season is extremely busy in terms of player movement for this club. Now, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say just now there's other question marks in the team where we're talking about additions, but there could potentially also be subtractions still from this initial core, these initial players that we have heading into the first camp. And that's just the reality of where Toronto FC is at as a club right now. You're talking about guys like Jaden Nelson and Jaquil Marshall who are garnering significant interest from clubs overseas and Toronto FC have to have to make a decision here, whether or not they want to sell either guy. Right. I know that the team was, they were pretty adamant that they were going to sell Jaden Nelson. If again, if the right offer came in, they turned down a, a low seven figure. Well, actually, they agreed to a low seven figure offer last year for Jaden Nelson to sell him and then pulled out of the deal at the pretty much one of the last minutes there and decided to keep him for the rest of the season. And now his value has, you can argue it's shot up a little bit. So I think TFC are hoping to get uh, more than that initial. That initial offer, I don't know if that offer's come as yet for Jaden Nelson, but I know that they would be more open to selling a guy like Jaden Nelson than Jaquil Marcioretti, which would do two things. It would open up some cap space for the team because you would get that transfer fee and you'd be able to apply it as allocation money towards your budget up to a million. And then the second thing is it creates a really big void a really big void in your team, especially a guy like Jaden Nelson, because he's so versatile and can play so many different positions and was an important member to the squad last season. So we'll see what happens in January. You might have more work to do if you're Toronto FC. Well, see, that's where, uh, you know, I wonder if it actually, like I, I get the financial benefit of obviously selling a player for say close to a million um, or over a million and, and adding that as allocation money. But does it make sense right now 
um, to make that deal. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's happening in the background. They may have, like we said, targets in mind that are going to fit fill that void you talk about um, when selling somebody like a Jaden Nelson. But like, even if you even if you did, does it still make sense to sell him at this moment? Could you not find an opportunity for him to increase that value even more by playing him one more season and then selling him on? I think we're always going to have this conversation, though. Yeah. Like, what? okay, Jay Nelson plays really good next season. What if we kept him for one more season? What would his value be? Because he's still, what, 19 years old or right. 20 years old, right? His market value isn't going to decrease in the next two years unless something dramatic happens if he falls off. But I can't see that, to be honest with Jin, because the numbers weren't really there this season, and he still uh, increased his, his market value overall. So like, I, I hear you, and I know what you're saying, but you also have to take into account sort of what the player wants in that moment too. Jane Nelson hasn't been shy about saying his, his dream, his goal is to one day play in Europe, and I'm sure he's happy here in Toronto. But if uh, an intriguing offer comes knocking, is it really fair to to hold him back in that regard? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a difficult. A lot of teams do this, and yeah. they cross this bridge on literally every. Like you look at the Philadelphia Union and Kai Wagner, and what's going on in that situation, yeah. right? The yeah. club agreed. You know, we'll we'll sell you if the right move comes along. It looked like the right move, and Leeds was going to come along, and then. Now it's looking like it's not coming along. So he's they're they're keeping Kai Wagner. So it's every club goes through this. And we're just at that point now where that uh that you know TFC is. Yeah. And look, I I'm not I, I'm not for holding players against their will. If they want to move, then for sure let them go if the right offer comes along. But at the same time, I would say that the right offer has to come along. And I don't know if TFC have found that offer yet, right? And and I think that if you can still utilize a player of his skill set in the team while still waiting for that offer, then do that, right? Like, a, a, you know, why put yourself into a hole you may not necessarily need to put yourself into at the beginning of the season, right? And And that's sort of the that's where I'm coming from with, with Jaden, with Jaquiel as well, even talking about, you know, selling other players as well, or them moving on um, unless it's for sure. And you've got a for sure kind of surefire, no doubt backup plan. Then I, I have a hard time seeing the point of, of losing that depth. Um, but of course, look, if somebody comes in with a mil and a half for, for Jaden Nelson, yeah, I guess you take it right. And, and Club that's even higher, I, a lot higher. Well, look, again, if it's a lot higher, but you can only put a million to wards allocation anyway, right? Like it's correct. And not to say that that's not a, a small amount of money. It's a significant amount of money, but, um, for the cap. But the other, other factor in that, and that's something we'll, I think we're going to get to a little bit is TFC, while they're backed by MLSC, they're still operating as sort of their own entity here, yeah. right? And People of course, MLSC, MLSC has deep pockets, but at a certain point, you they they can't keep funding. It's not a never-ending just fund here for Toronto FC, right? TFC has a budget, and it's not just their salary cap. <laughs> so getting $5 million, let's say, I'm just throwing a number out there, $5 million, for a guy like Jaden Nelson goes such a long way for this club because this it's a business, right? People, it is a business at the end of the day and it, it would go towards their, their overall team budget, not just, uh, not just their, their salary cap. Yeah, that's sure. And let's, let's bridge into sort of this, uh, uh, this conversation around the cap and, and what TFC might want to do next in terms of certain, sort of roster uh, positions that they have. I mean, look, you're, you're right in the fact that I think as fans, we forget because MLSE is MLSE and it's, it's such a big, you know, financial juggernaut in the professional sports world. You know, we do forget that Toronto FC, like you said, has a budget. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, a good, good. Um, yeah. And Moadu is the biggest outbound sale uh, in club history still. Um, and that was, 2007 um but uh you know 
they they don't have an infinite amount of money, you know. Like yes, mm-hmm. okay, the board will back for a big DP signing. Obviously, they backed for Lorenzo Insigne, they backed for Bernadeschi, they backed for Pozuelo when they wanted to spend 10 mil all in in fees. You know, they backed for Javinko and Altador. They'll do that from time to time. Um, but in the overall scheme of things, TFC in terms of budget, I don't want to say it's small fry when it comes to MLS, MLSE, but it's it's not exactly working with, you know, Real Madrid money here. It's not even working with, you know, cha- in some cases, championship level money, right? It, it, it is working still within a fairly MLS style budget, higher than most clubs in the league for sure. But higher than every club in the league. True. They were the hi- highest spending team in major league soccer last Very year. Very true. And and I think that might be a point where the you know the the board might be saying, hey, look. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the board might be saying, look, we're paying the most and we're not getting the results. Maybe we scale back a little bit. And this it might is not where... even be results, too. It's yeah. just the fact that they're spending the most in major league soccer. No team has ever spent the amount that TFC has spent, and then they're gonna take it a step further. This that's not gonna happen. Yeah, and, and that goes into sort of this second segment here um, as I smash into my mic. Um, but, the, you know, what to do with this final DP spot. And um, over the weekend, I, I just sort of tweeted out some thoughts about, you know, what Bob Bradley had said in his press conference, but also how that related to this this final DP spot. And, and kind of my point was that is it the wisest thing for TFC to necessarily go looking for a third DP that would be over the age of 24, because obviously you have roster rules in place that might give TFC some cap relief and flexibility. Now, you know, it's been pointed out to me that yes, you have outbound going players that help provide cap space. uh, And we definitely have that, but why put yourself in a position where you can get, you know, one or two players where you might be able to get a, a bunch of players and promising players that could potentially also come back and provide you financial benefit through sale later on by getting a young DP or, you know, a young designated player. Um, and that's sort of the the debate I wanted to open up here because I, I don't think TFC have ever really been in this position before where you kind of have this third DP spot and you're like, hey, there's actually some tangible options that we can look at and go in different directions. And and something that spoke to me in Bob Riley's comments was, you know, they need to be strategic about how they're going to use certain roster rules and MLS and TFC have not always been the best at that um, in the past, mainly because they have a big budget and sometimes don't have to, and that's fine. But I wonder if this is one of those times where it actually makes sense to really use some of the MLS roster leverage to improve the team yeah that's a that's a really good point and you're, you're bang on like, tfc at this point is going to have to get really creative in terms of the way that they use this third dp spot another option aside from a young dp would be uh and this is why i was i was saying earlier about jonathan osorio potentially being a dp for this club you could get a dp that's not paid as a dp and classify them as a designated player, which I think would also unlock the extra young um, young money spots, under 22 initiative spots. So there are other ways than a young DP, but considering what I just said about this MLSE not providing TFC with a bigger budget than what they have right now, I think that's the way forward is by doing that and then trying to fill f- further gaps on the squad by using under 22 initiative spots because you can obviously add more quality at a lesser cap it. So I think that is the way forward. Yeah. So, so help me understand, make sure that I'm, I'm look thinking about this, right. Um, so essentially the rule, as I understand it is Toronto FC could bring in a designated player under 23 or under um, as a designated player, their cap hit, uh, would only be at I think maximum two hundred thousand, but they can buy some of mm-hmm. that down as well um, with uh, Gam, and then or, or buy it down to like yeah. There'd be no no reason to to buy it down. Yeah, yeah, you don't really have to buy it down, but you could buy it down to one fifty if you if you wanted to. Um, but mm-hmm. also, what that does, sort of on the back end, if you want to call it that, is it also allows you to bring in 
uh, U22 initiative players, essentially, either internationally or if you want to sign homegrown guys to that slot, Io Akinola is one of those players right now. Um, mm. You could also do that and you get three um, of those slots. So am I am I sort of describing that right? I know roster, MLS roster yeah. rules are some of yeah. the most ridiculously th- <laughs> yeah, hard the things one to thing, describe. But yeah. The one thing I'll add is uh, essentially... So when you make a acquisition, if you pay a transfer fee for a player, that transfer fee would count against your your salary cap as well in a prorated amount. So let's say it's a, I don't know, a $2 million transfer fee. You sign a four-year contract. That's an extra 500000 a year added to whatever your salary cap, uh, your salary cap hit is, including your salary, of course. Right. So with the under-22 initiative, if you can pay actually whatever um, whatever transfer fee you want for a player, and that does not count whatsoever against your cap, as long as the player's salary is under a certain threshold, which it's like a it's like top, a million, it's like a like it's basically like I think it's like the ten max, I think. Yeah, so yeah. I think yeah, maybe seven hundred thousand, something like that, around mm-hmm. that area. Regardless, so those are the type of players that Toronto FC would have to target. But then you you go back to what I said initially, and it's the team's overall budget. Unless it's again the right player, and you're able to sell the board that hey, you know this is really your guy. You're gonna make a ton of money from this in five years. Just you know try and try and give us that sort of money. Then maybe that makes sense. Um, but it, it's gonna be tough for them to find quality quality acquisitions. Um, when they're not paying a massive transfer fee for these players, you got to find gems uh, in places like South America in particular or or overseas in Europe, maybe some lesser known countries. Maybe that's the route you have to do, but that's going to take some really good scouting. And this is the first, not the first time, but this will be a really big test for TFC's scouting department if they have to go out and, and find some really unknown commodities. Yeah, and, and look, Toronto FC don't have the greatest record of finding young international talent and bringing them into the club. Um, you know, I think if you mention Sateldo to Jeff, there will be he'll break out in hives or something. Um, but you know, people also look at Alex and Gallardo right as as another opportunity where we brought in a young player and that didn't work out. Um, you know, when was the last time Toronto FC really signed a young player under twenty three? Um, that wasn't either a draft pick or a homegrown player that really mm-hmm. made a in- big impact. The last one I could think of, funny enough, is Marky Delgado. And he was picked up in the disperse in the MLS, death yeah. draft, right? So that's within MLS. Um, it, it, it would be interesting because that would definitely be um, a, a sort of a tact change for TFC, right? Like w- the club has really focused on the European market when looking outbound for uh, for players and has looked for obviously more established veteran names uh, that can, can we come think in. Of, and, can we think of anyone that was like really young that this team bought? Like how old was Jackson? That's a name that's coming to the top of my head. Oh, like maybe wow. he was 25, 26. Yeah, 25 or 26 when they signed him. Yeah. But he was MLS then, too. He was brought internally from MLS. He was in, he was, yeah, he acquired him in a trade. Right. And then Jao Plata, Plata, we drafted. That's another one. Yeah. Like there hasn't it, really been many. There hasn't been. I don't think there's been. Any Agaracache again, like he was more of a known commodity in, yeah. in Spain, right? Mm-hmm. And and like, so, uh, yeah, it was like Matt was he Max Tam or was he he wasn't a DP? I think it was Max Tam, right? Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think he was a DP. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah, but even from that perspective, right? Like that's still a known name that you're getting from Europe. Um, you know, are, are you are you going to sort of shift your your vision of how you? by players to how most of the league is already shifted to, which is we're looking for South American talent, you know, in Argentina or, you know, in Colombia or in those domestic leagues or in Mexico and finding those players and bringing them to MLS, right? Like TFC don't really have a track record of that. Um, And who knows, you know, obviously Jack Dodd and the scouting team, where have they been focused? We, We don't know, right. Is the, is in, to your point about the board, and providing more funds, are they going to be gun shy about this? Because they tried this with Soteldo, and yes, okay, not as big an acquisition cost, but still a significant one, right? Like it wasn't a small um, 
acquisition fee to get him. And that didn't even last a season. Uh, I, I just wonder where that sort of takes TFC uh, if, if that's where they have to go. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and another way they can get creative, I see Terrence McGirtz, what a name, by the way, in the chat <laughs> saying a guy like Tony Gallagher. Uh, so that, I don't think that counts under what we were saying because he was yeah. in Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that was a long, like, yeah. Discovering him. Yeah. But maybe that's a way they can get creative um, by loaning some of these young players who aren't getting playing time and that's just actually something thinking like tony gallagher would be a great acquisition he right would now. be you need a lot of team starting left back, <laughs> like, like, uh what's he doing <laughs> i think he's in Scotland. I, and i, I know the, the team and i know the team was interested in him like bringing him back even after he went back to liverpool and then got loaned out again he was sold to uh He's in Scotland. He's back in Scotland, I think. Is it Rangers? Is no, I feel like he might be a Falkirk or something. He's he's back in Scotland for sure. Um, St. Johnson. Oh, St. Johnson. All right, that's no. what it was. Yeah. Maybe Warthorspoon could put in a good word. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, right, like, but uh, yeah, you're right. Like this club will have to get creative in filling some of these spots. Mm-hmm. And but of course, if you loan, is it a loan to buy? Right, like the, the the thing is, if you do something like that, then you have to keep you have to keep yourself flexible and therefore you can't like, you know, the, the fans are out there calling for Olivier Giroud and like another big name sign. That's not coming. Like that is not coming. Uh, you no. know, the, 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 budget is not, it's not there. You're already paying in Sydney 15. We're already a year. We're already paying Bernadeschi another six. Um, you know, you've, you've just re-upped Oso. You gave Matt Hedges a new deal. Cross your fingers. Sean John's coming in probably as a, a either a max tan player or a max salary player. Um, you know, you, you're still going to be using up a decent chunk of budget on some of those senior players. So you're going to have to get creative in other spots uh, to to fill out the roster. And yeah, Lone could do it. I mean, I think Toronto FC should really seriously consider looking at Liga MX and, look, and looking at young players in Liga MX because, you know, a lot of those players aren't getting opportunities uh, to play domestically. And, and if you can bring them to, to MLS and, and give them shine then you have an opportunity to move a player on for a decent salary. And you start to, you know, you start to be able to to know yourself as a club that can sign big players, but also can move players on. And that gets young players to then look at your club as a potential sort of stepping stone to Europe or wherever they want to go, mostly Europe. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Like last year it was Italy, right? That was the hotbed for, for talent. Uh, the year before. <laughs> you're looking at a couple of south american players i'm I'm interested to see where some of these acquisitions come from and where tfc focus in i wonder if it'll be from one area or if it'll be from a couple of different areas obviously now with bob bradley at the helm they have a couple of connections let's say and resources in areas all over europe last year we all saw poland with jesus jimenez bob bradley told the story of reaching out to one of his former assistant coaches, I believe it was, who is now yep. a head coach in Poland. And he got the intel on Jesus Jimenez. And he was told, yeah, you know, this guy's a player. Go out and get him. And the first half of the season, it looked like it was it was a gem. Yeah, um, and, and, I, and I think yeah. you can still find those gems, right? Like I know Jesus Jimenez did not have the great second half of the season. Um, but again, that's a player that yes, came in at a, a, a pretty decent clip in terms of salary and, and, um, and what you had to get to acquire him. But if you can rehabilitate a bit of it, even get him to like a you know half or a little more than half of what he was at the first half of the season, you still got a decent depth striker there to, to provide you with something. Right. And, and that's, again, that's sort of the, you know, how, how, how deep is our scouting department going to find unearthed gems um, and, and put them on the radar of, of management? That's, that's something I'm, I'm again, track records sort of speak. And right now that track record isn't great. Yeah, no, I like this conversation because it's going to be a good measuring stick. I think this year it's a different test for, for Toronto FC and we'll, we'll see what comes of it. This is an interesting time for the club. Absolutely. Uh, uh, one question I'll ask before we sort of move on here, but um, I, we've talked about like what type of player. I think we've both agreed that if they're going to do the DP, it's probably going to be a striker. Um, that they're going to use that on maybe a midfielder, but with Oso coming back, probably not. Um, but here's the question is, you know, if the, if the obvious target isn't there, do they wait until July again? 
and, and try to bring that player in. Yeah, I mean, of course, right? You don't want to force this this spot. And I think the same under 22 initiative rules apply if you don't use all three DP slots. So if you just use two, um, I think that that still qualifies you to to go out and, and do other things regardless of whether or not you have that third DP in, right? It's it's really important that you don't force this this designated player signing. Another way, again, I'm just thinking top of my head, way you can get creative with that DP spot is maybe a Pablo Piatti type of deal. If there's a guy out there that would take a, a one-year contract with an option to sort of rejuvenate his career, maybe that's a, a swing that you take. Um, again, you got to see what else you want to do with the, the rest of your roster, but I think striker is probably I think striker is probably the way to go. The other thing, though, I keep thinking about this is what a great connection Lorenzo Insigne and Mimo Crescito had on that left hand yeah. side, right? So I'm thinking, okay, the best way to get what's the best way to get the best out of Lorenzo Insigne? I think it's really ensuring you get a top top quality left back. On the right, you have Richie, you have Bernadeschi, which I think is a fantastic duo, a fantastic combination. On the left, Mimo and, and Insigne was really great, but now you got to go out and match that. And maybe, just maybe, the best way to do that is by bringing in a DP left back. I don't know. Oh, maybe. You just followed the comments on fire there. Uh, maybe it is because you got to think about how to get the because you're, you're so much of your season relies on Bernadeschi and Insigne. No, that's not untrue. That's not right? untrue, yeah. So the, the best way to get the best out of this team is maybe making those players the best that they can be. And maybe that's more important than than getting a DP, young DP striker. It's not even a DP striker, a young DP striker. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, now you start. See, I didn't even, that's not something I considered, right? Because obviously when you think DP, and, and I still... Uh, like again, like I'm the also the guy who said either give also a DP contract or I'm not against center back DP. So what am I? <laughs> they saying? almost but did. They almost did. Uh, but I guess a left back, a left back as a DP is tough, right? As a tough sell because of maybe it's because the title is dumb and it it uh, you know it puts undue metrics on a, a particular player, undue pressure on a player that you just don't need to make right like it's it's a, a very 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 good player um but we you know when you think dp especially in toronto you think seba and josie and and the longevity of michael bradley and even pozuelo to a certain extent you know like in terms of they came in they scored goals they made assists they made things happen a left back you know in the modern day game has more usage and, and definitely from an attacking perspective. And, and we all know that as Canadian national teams fans, right. It is, you know, Fonzo Davies, but you know, can, can TFC fans swallow a, a, a DP left back? You know, is that something that, what you if know, it was now I'm not, I'm not saying this is a rumor or anything, but I've seen this name floating around. What if it was a guy like Sam Atacube? as a DP though? Yeah. I mean, look, I'd, I'd love to have Sam Adekube, but as a DP, again, like, right? Like, if we're, if we're, you Is he know, not DP level? I would say probably not, but no, uh, no um, I, I don't think so. But I, I mean, should, like, yeah, but I mean, like, look, I, like, but, but, but uh, on the other hand, I also recognize that what well, I don't think he's out of, is he out of contract this year? I don't think he is. Yeah, so, no, I don't think so. No, yeah, so you would have to pay a fee for him. You'd have to pay a fee for him, right? Like you, the acquisition cost is going to be decent, right? This club in Turkey aren't going to let him go. He's, he's a starter. He's, an, he's a yeah. game in, game out starter for them. So uh, I guess he is a DP in the sense that if you go for him, you're going to have to pay you a have fee to pay for that him. transfer fee. Yeah. Right. So I guess, you know, even though I may not look at it and say, like, oh, yeah, would I spend a DP spot in Sam Atacube? Probably not. But. Um, given a, a transfer fee and salary, yeah, it probably is. He, he might be. He might be. I was just throwing that out there uh, just because I think I'm really adamant on that point that in order to get the best, out of, I, I don't want to see a frustrated Lorenzo the entire year. No. Because he's linking up with whoever that left back is, especially with the way that Bob Bradley plays so often. And you need to get him the ball in good position so you need absolutely need i think it's one of their biggest needs is to get a good quality left back to play with lorenzo insigne 
Okay. Well, we'll see how that unfolds uh, as training camp goes along, whether they fill that uh, third DP spot or they hold until the summer window. And just for clarity, um, the North American window is actually not open. I know everybody thinks January transfer window is open. It's open in most of the world, but in North America, I think the transfer window opens like February 9th or something like that. Like it opens like, like at the beginning of February. Um, so I don't the, the, like we can bring freeze in right now, but I think transfers, I don't think can for transfer come fees? in yet. Okay. Yeah. No, I, you, think, I think you're, you might for MLS. Yeah. Yeah. I think for MLS, right. like MLS, um, the, and I think for Mexico too, I don't think the transfer window is open, but, um, gotcha. but we will, we will see. Um, all right, let's move into it. The Michael Singh notebook is back. Uh, we're in preseason. You were at the training grounds on uh, Friday as everybody was sort of milling and making their way in for the start of preseason. Um, I'm going to get to the courtside appearance of a certain goalkeeper in a second, but I just wanted to get some of your takeaways from the press conference. You sat through Michael Bradley, Mark Anthony K, Bob Bradley. Did anybody else speak? I don't think so. No, it was those yeah. three. Yeah. Then we also did like earlier in the off season, it did Ozo uh, mm-hmm. after resigning and then Matt Hedges as well. Yeah. We haven't and done we, a show. Wow. We haven't done a show since I've, uh, I've just, all signed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I get the sense that the team hasn't accomplished as much as they would have wanted to accomplish at this point of the year. Yeah, that's that's kind of the overall sense that I got through through the course of that presser. I think it was really well done by those that spoke by Toronto for Toronto FC. I think they answered the question a lot of the questions in in an honest and and truthful and and correct way that you should be answering a lot of the questions that they got um but i still got the sense that they while there is a light at the end of the tunnel from their perspective it's just not as far along as maybe they would have wanted at this point of the season but i also get the sense that there's more coming and the the one comment that stood out to me and this is something he wouldn't say i guess or answer all year last year was he was asked what Bob Bradley I'm talking about. He was asked what his realistic expectations are for Toronto FC this season. And he said that he expects Toronto to be a good team that competes with the best teams. He said, we're going to be able to compete with the best teams. And he expects Toronto to be a good team. And the reason why I I thought that was really interesting is because throughout the whole course of last season, he Bob Bradley kept on saying that he's working towards becoming a good team going through these tribulations. And some of these moments is mm-hmm. this is how you become a good team. It was one of his favorite, favorite go-to lines uh, throughout the whole course of the season, but he never once said that, that they're a good team. Yeah. Right. So the fact that he's starting this year by saying, I expect us to be a good team. I think that speaks volumes to two things. A, there's a lot more coming in in terms of acquisitions because we all look at this roster right now and we see a bunch of holes. But B, maybe there's a little pressure behind the scenes right now. There's got to be. What what the expectations are for this team uh, moving forward. Yeah, there's got to be, right? Yeah, there's got to be. Like I, I think, you know, whether it be from ticket sales um, merchandising revenue overall. And I obviously, again, fans love to talk about the football, not the business, but the two can't really be separated. You know, there, there's pressure on this team. There's pressure on this organization to, to get back to some semblance of where this club was, because in a lot of ways, this club was starting to become the standard bearer of what an MLS team could accomplish in, in major league soccer. Uh, and, and what it could do in terms of bringing in players and, and, and really pushing that that envelope. In a lot of ways, that has been lost. Um, and this club, in a lot of ways, does not resonate anymore around the league. Um, it does, obviously, from, you know, you bring in an Insigne and a Bernadeschi, okay, you're going to open some eyes. But in the end of the day, you got to win. You know, you got to produce results and you got to make the playoffs and you you, you got to win things in order to kind of be that club that everybody's talking about and that club that other players are like, Oh, I really want to go there. Right. And, and do something. 
and it, I think there is a there's pressure on everybody, right? From Bill to Bob to the players, you know, uh, coming down from the board, right? I think they're they're you know the board rightfully can say, look, we put our chips in the table, we gave you the money to go and get the two guys you wanted, you know, and we have consistently been the highest spending team in the league every year, almost since this team entered the league. And have we got the results out of it to a certain extent? Yes. But you know, has it, you know, has it been the standard bearer longer enough for that? I would say no. Uh, and, and, and I think that's where this club needs to start to get to. And, and I think that's where that pressure might be coming from. Yeah. No, exactly, and I think you, you touched on it there, just the signing guys like Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi. The reality is you have a window. You have a window to capitalize on such major investments with these two players. And this offseason, to be honest, just from the outside looking in, because I was you know busy doing other things, really felt like there wasn't as much buzz around this team as maybe perhaps in other off seasons right it really felt like something was lacking maybe it's because it was such a demoralizing season the way that it ended uh maybe because they they made their big splashes last year and they haven't really made as many big splashes this off season but it didn't really feel like there is there was that excitement which is almost unjust when you think about there is a lorenzo insignia here playing for toronto fc and there is a federico bernardeschi here playing for toronto fc you arguably have the two best designated players in major league soccer playing for toronto fc yet you're feeling kind of this just non-excitement a little bit of apathy a little bit of frustration from the fan base which is pretty pretty eye-opening to see because you have such such big stars so that's why i feel like there is a pressure now to really start to turn this ship around and capitalize on your investment yeah and, and i mean did you feel and again this is this is subjective this question but did, did you sort of mm-hmm. sense in, in the room not not pressure or tension but just a sense of like you know w- we got to do something this year, right? Like there, 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 was there any sense of that in, in sort of, you probably don't get that much from Bob, but like, you know, from either the players or from people around the room in the club that maybe didn't speak, but were there, you know, are you getting that sort of sense of like, Hey, we, we got to get something on the board this year. Yes. And no, yes. And no, I've heard people within the club that I've spoken to and they've, been tentative about setting expectations uh for this season at least and maybe they're to the point some of them are even a little a little worried about what this season is going to bring because of the fact that the team is a little bit confined by this overall budget and maybe they wouldn't go out and be able to spend the way that uh, toronto fc would want to spend in typical off seasons like this but then there's the other part where you have people who are look through it through, you know, with a glass half full approach. And you talk about guys like Lorenzo and Federico having full preseasons under their belt. Mark Anthony K, Jonathan Osorio, Michael Bradley having a full training camp together, hopefully coming out of it healthy, knock on wood. The addition to Matt Hedges and, and another starting center back that automatically makes their back line a lot better. And then obviously Sean Johnson and potentially his acquisition here with Toronto FC and how much of an upgrade he is over guys like Alex Bono and Quinton Westberg. That part of it is undoubtedly exciting. Um, so I've, I've heard both sides of it, but yeah, there, there has to be a little bit of urgency right around this club. It's, it's been a long time since TFC really felt like they were, they were the Toronto FC that they're meant to be in, which in my opinion is perennial contenders and, people looking at the club like like the role models almost in Major League Soccer and clubs aspire to be like Toronto FC. It's been a long time since we felt that. But yeah. when you make investments into guys like Federico and Lorenzo, the expectation has to be, especially from the people who are cutting those paychecks and paying for those players, has to be that they are that club. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
you mentioned the man, so let's talk about him. Um, obviously, as, you, as we mentioned off the top of the show, Sean Johnson was in town at least yesterday. Maybe he's either in town today or was in on Saturday. Um, taking in the Raptors Trailblazers game, thank God the Raptors didn't uh, didn't look as bad played as they've well, been. Man. They played well. <laughs> they Sean John was there and they played well. Um, like I said before, usually you get a TFC potential signing courtside at the Raptors. The close rate is high. So, you know, what have you heard on the Sean Johnson trail? Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, what you know, obviously he'd be a big addition to the club. I don't think we need to, you know, uh, sort of ask what kind of addition you'd be, but you know, what have you heard in terms of the possibility of him uh becoming a red? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I haven't really checked in on the situation today, to be completely honest. I've been been busy with work. Um, but I'll reiterate what I said on on 442 if you guys missed that clip. So when I saw this this report, I was actually a little bit surprised because I know that Toronto FC made Sean Johnson an initial offer and Sean Johnson rejected that offer, that approach from Toronto FC. The reason being, again, was because it looked like he was going to head back to New York City FC. Now the fact that Sean Johnson has circled back to Toronto FC that's a really, really positive sign. And my guess is that if you're circling back here to Toronto FC and you're coming for a full-on visit, it's it's more more than serious, especially this late into the, the season. And one of the lines, I've, I've mentioned this a bunch of times on the show, that they were waiting for the World Cup to end so they can go approach some of these players that were at the World Cup. Well, they did go approach some of these players, and Sean Johnson was was one of those guys. And it looks like they, I mean, this again from the outside looking in, it looks like they are uh, they're in a good position right now to to get that over the line. The one caveat to all of that, and this I did speak to a couple people about this actually, is that New York City FC still are in the mix here, and NYCFC have the ability to match any one of Toronto FC's offers. Any offer that TFC make, T- New York City FC have the cap space to match that offer. And they have the relationship with Sean Johnson. He was also he was obviously their captain. Sean Johnson loves that city. So whatever offer TFC make, NYCFC could theoretically match that, which is a little concerning. But again, my initial premise in all this is that it's a really good sign that he was here in Toronto visiting, as you mentioned, the success rate of when they they're at these games and they're pan to on camera is it's pretty a dang shot. good. They, you know, they, they tap TSN in the shoulder and like, Hey man, get him on, get him on TV. You know, um, hey, look, like I said, we don't have to opine on what a big acquisition it would be to have Sean Johnson at TFC. You know, he's a class keeper. Um, MLS veteran knows this league fantastic shot stopper MLS cup winner, you know, won the shootout uh, for NYCFC in 2021. Um, So definitely would love to see him here. He was the target I talked about all the way at the beginning of the season as a potential goalkeeper uh, to come in and and replace Alex Bono and Quinton Westberg. So fingers crossed on that and, um, you know, take him to Harbor 60, you know, get him a good steak. Um, you know, the wine and dine. <laughs> He's already been wined and dined. I, I'm sure. I'm very sure, for sure. Um, the the expense count at uh, at, at uh, Nobu and all these other places uh, has been tapped by MLSC <laughs> um, for Sean Johnson and his wife. Um, okay, uh, other things uh, in the notebook. Obviously, um, you you mentioned TFC is looking at a center back. You know, looking at a potential striker. Any uh, sorry, any other sort of tidbits that are out there floating out there? um that, that the people need to know um i've seen a few rumors floating around i'm not sure how accurate some of those rumors are I'll, I'll let you guys figure out which ones i am talking about but there are a couple out there that would make sense and mm. i see some people referencing norway i do believe that's a spot that tfc have looked at in the past and are probably looking at Uh, In the present, for those that don't know, Bob Bradley did used to coach in Norway, and he does have ties there. So it's 
very possible that you could find good value in in that position. So that, that's all I'll say on on that note. Um, I won't give too too much away from what I've heard. Again, guys, I'm a, I'm honestly a little bit out of the loop uh, at this as at least a little bit out of the loop is where I'd like to be or where I've been in the past, uh, just because I've been diving into a lot of different other things, but I'm hoping to, to get back in and maybe I can give you guys some more tea next week. Yeah, no worries, man. Uh, you got to cover Messi win in a world cup. That was kind of a big deal uh, <laughs> while, uh, while we were away. Um, but uh, we'll close the, the Michael Singh notebook for now. Uh, and we'll, we'll reopen it next week. Uh, for once we start hearing a little bit more from TFC training camp, uh, let's wrap up the show there. Thanks again to listening for listening to another episode of Toronto till I die. We will be back next Monday. We're probably going to start switching to evenings now with work schedules and things like that. I think it just makes a little bit more sense for the three of us. It probably makes a little more sense for you as you're coming off work and things like that. Um, but of course, we always appreciate you listening in. Uh, big favor to ask, please subscribe uh, to the new podcast feed in the YouTube channel, as I mentioned off the top. Um, just search Toronto till I die. Um, it's a massive help gets new uh, people on uh, knowing about the show and, and listening in. I got some fantastic messages over the holidays um, from some newer listeners uh, that were uh, listening in. So really appreciate that. Um, and for Michael Singh, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks for listening in and we'll talk to you next week. Cheers, everybody. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.